This is the Dairy Download brought to you by EverAg Insights and the International Dairy Foods Association, where we offer extra sharp market and policy insights on dairy. I'm your host, Phil Plord. And I'm your co-host, Kathleen Wolfley. Today's episode is about influencers influencing. We chat with an accidental TikTok cooking video star and then talk to a marketing executive working with food and restaurant companies to capitalize on the trends. We'll get to that in a minute. As always, thanks to our listeners. If you enjoy this free podcast being delivered to your inboxes and favorite podcast apps every other week, please, please, please thank our episode sponsor, tell a friend about the show, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Today's sponsor is Infor. Infor is transforming dairy businesses worldwide with ERP, supply chain, and product lifecycle solutions tailored to fit industry needs. Find out how at Infor.com slash dairy. All right, Kathleen, we usually do where are we now at this part of the episode, but I think literally, um, I think we should just point out that uh, for various reasons this week, we've been out of position and not in perfect microphone range. So uh, your audio is a little little less than ideal this morning. So Kathleen, where are we now in the markets and where are we now physically? You can pick the order. <laughs> well, where are we now physically? Sitting outside of Syracuse University. So had a nice trip down the down the throughway this morning. But where we are in the markets, CME spot prices as of Tuesday, January 10th. Cheddar blocks jumped to $2.18, a 21 cent increase on the week. Barrels finished at $1.80, up 9 cents. Butter increased to $2.43, a nickel higher, and the non-fat dry milk market closed at $1.28, down 3 cents on the week. So what do you think is the most important thing right now? I think it's cheese exports. And I know we've said that probably before, but the data we saw last week showed um, another big month in November of 2022. We averaged 83 million pounds a month year to date through November. We have an outside shot of reaching a billion pounds of cheese exports uh, for calendar year 2022. Big numbers, but here's the thing. We're not confident that the exports on the books today for 2023 are as robust. And it really doesn't take a big change to make a big difference. So let's just say that we are at um, 70 million pounds a month. Well, three or four million extra pounds of cheese floating around a week can have a pronounced impact on, on pricing. And we just don't have a good feel for what's on the books and what's in the realm of the possible. And I think that's going to be a big deal and something to keep an eye on. And it's the most important thing right now. What about you? I'm keeping an eye on weather in California. We've seen persistent drought over the course of several years. And now that's been followed with a deluge of of rain. That's rarely a a good combination of drought followed by big rains. From a dairy perspective, that rain means muddy paddocks and increased potential for lower output per cow. Reports today suggest that producers are seeing some impact uh, to production, but for the most part are making out okay. But I'd note that it is still raining. On the flip side, though, rain does mean more snowpack in the mountains, which is a good thing for long-term drought mitigation. So definitely keeping an eye on what's going on in California. What's your stat of the week? Uh, My stat of the week, I actually have two, if you'll allow me. It's allowable. The first is... Okay, thank you. Um, The first is minus 35%, and the second is minus 60%. And those refer to the change in heating oil and natural gas prices since their highs a few months ago. 
A few months ago, we were really concerned about high energy, high heating oil and high natural gas prices and how they would impact home heating costs this winter. And while, you know, some people have definitely seen some bigger energy bills, heating oil and, and natural gas futures markets are way down. So we've seen uh, about $1.50 to $1.70 per gallon lower heating oil prices, down 35% from the highs. And natural gas is trading right around $4, which is down from $10 in August. That's down 60%. Very interesting and impressive stats. And it's been a milder winter in some parts of the country, and that, that may help with home heating bills as well. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, well, and that's why the prices are down, right? So, I mean, those two things are wrapped together. Gotcha. All right. Well, my stat of the week is negative 5.5%. Ever Ag Insights estimates peg domestic butter use down 5.5% year over year on the 12-month rolling average. That suggests to me that high prices have been curbing demand throughout 2022. And I think that we, we saw that play out in some of the statistics around fourth quarter butter retail sales lagging prior levels. Yeah, it turns out price matters, right? And, and that kind of leads me to my fearless prediction. Later next week, we're going to get the cold storage numbers for the month of December. And I believe that report will show butter stocks increasing at a more than normal rate in December. Uh, over the past five years, the average increase from November to December is 11 million pounds. I think it's easy to believe we could see 15 to 20 million pound increase. And if that's the way things roll, uh, we will see that 2022 ended with stocks above year prior levels. So my prediction is that we will see December 31st, 2022 butter stocks above December 31st, 2021. What about you? I'm going to stick with the butter theme too, if that's all right. Okay. I think that despite high U.S. butter prices throughout the second half of 2022, we're going to see butter exports in Q1 2023 top 20 million pounds. Interesting. So just sort of some trailing momentum. Yeah, exactly. So I guess we'll see. Write them down. All right. Well, let's get to our first guest. Today, we're excited to welcome Daryl Postelnik, creator of the Cooking with Daryl accounts on TikTok and Instagram. With nearly 3 million followers, he showcases recipes and dishes from his kitchen in Algonquin, Illinois. Daryl, welcome to the Dairy Download. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So tell us the Daryl story. How did you get started on social media? What led you to platforms like TikTok and Instagram? And what are you trying to, what did you set out to accomplish? It's a great story because I set out to accomplish nothing. Um, <laughs> I dropped my kids off at college and uh, while I was out uh, in Arizona, my buddy who I was with uh, got me into the whole TikTok platform. And uh, as we all know, you get caught in that rabbit hole. And when I got back home, uh, my youngest daughter, who at the time was 12, uh, said, Dad, we should start our own channel. Remember, I'm still thinking TikTok is a lot of dancing and kids. Um, so because I know she's got her own TikTok and she does dances all the time. So I said, no, I'm not, I'm not getting on social media. At the time, I was on nothing. I, I, the only social media platform I was on was LinkedIn, uh, not, no others at all, not even Facebook. So uh, we, we got into a little debate. Um, she said, oh, come on, you can cook. You love to cook. It'll be fun. And I said, no, I'm, I, don't, I don't need to find more friends. I'm good. And she left and gave me the words. And for those of you that have kids, especially girls, I thought it could be something we can do together. 
Oh, there you go. Right to the heart. <laughs> I said, okay. Yep. Come on down. And I said, we, I'll do this as long as you set up my account. You do everything. I, I don't know how to uh, get an account rolling. I'm sure it's easy, but uh, I don't know how to film. I don't know how to edit. I don't know how to post. Uh, I don't know how to answer quite. I know nothing. I've never done it on the platforms. I am not a, I mean, I was at Microsoft 15 years and believe it or not, the most uh, inept socially um, or social media person there. So it's just not my thing. So she said, okay, I'll do it all. And uh, we filmed our first video that next day and it had nine followers. They were all her friends and that was it. And then I think it was two days later, I woke up and it was a Bears game. So I kind of get all jacked up, put my jersey on and uh, I said, hey, uh, let's make chili because it's my family's favorite. And when I make it, I make, you know, 20 batches of it, literally like eight to 10 pounds worth of meat in a monster, monster pot. And I freeze it so that they can have it after school. When they come home, they literally throw it in a pot, warm it up and, and they have it. And uh, I filmed it. And for some reason, it just took off. And within minutes, it was at 3,000 then 5,000 and 10,000. And my daughter kept, I, I left to go watch football and my daughter kept calling me every five minutes. You're at 50,000, you're at 80,000. Every refresh, it just went up by 20,000. And by the end of the day, it was at over 2 million. So that's, well, that was the beginning. So what would you say is the secret to gaining more than a million followers aside from just a really stellar chili recipe? Were there strategies that you used to get your videos in front of people? Yes. One is called a global pandemic. And having people starving for content and sitting in their homes doing nothing, I have a feeling um, that definitely sparks something. And I mean, if you think about it, it was in October of 2020, you know, there was still lockdowns and it, it was just everyone was at home. And I don't know what it is about my video. Maybe it's because I, I don't care. Like, I don't, this isn't my job. I don't do it for a living. It is a business now, but I don't do it for a job. I didn't do it for a job. I don't care if I did a third video or a fourth video. I drink in every video, whether it's a beer, glass of wine or something. And I just, I don't know, I guess I'm just me. I just, I, I'm not a chef. I've never taken a class. I do what I do. And maybe that's the authenticity. I'm guessing. And then, I mean, it seems, I mean, how did you come up with a tagline? So that's a great story. That's a great story. So probably eight or 10 videos in, I was talking to a couple buddies of mine who thought it was awesome, started following me. And they said, you need a tagline. I go, yeah. And when you start really thinking about it, it gets hard. It's difficult. And I made something and I probably need to go back and find out what the recipe was. But I made something and, you know, I always do the taste. And, you know, someone either says, "Ooh, yum, got to make it or whatever. I just said, because it probably was outstanding, or at least I felt it was, I just said, are you kidding me? And I posted it and my buddy called me and said, that's it. That's it. And so I, I trademarked it. I have it on merch. I've had my own beer twice that was called, are you kidding me? Um, I've got it, you know, the logo on my salt and pepper shakers. I've got it on all my merch. I Again, it's... Um, I, I decided to run with it. 
And so do you work with certain food companies or retailers as part of your platforms? And, and, and how do those partnerships happen? And are they lucrative? Yes, yes, and yes. I do have an agent I work with. I got him probably two months in. He called me. I did some research. He manages probably the majority of food creators uh, on TikTok and Instagram. So he knows the business and um, started where I would get hit up on Instagram. And I used to just flip them all to him. And he would then call them, negotiate, and we would do a deal. I've been in business 30 years. I ran a $6 billion business at Microsoft. I ran the entire US for Microsoft for their Xbox business. So know a thing or two. I said, what am I doing here? So I uh, started doing all my own negotiations. And uh, what I do is when I land a deal, I then flip it to him. And he does all the SOW contract and chases the money and does that. And so now, yeah, I run it like my own business. And yes, it is lucrative. And there are a lot of brands that I work with. And I think I heard you mention at one point that you were working with Walmart on maybe coaching other content creators on how to do these things. Is that something that you're doing as well? Yes, I'm part of the Walmart creator platform. And they picked, I think, six or eight of us in all different categories. I'm the only, I, I believe I'm the only food creator. I'm, there might be one other. Uh, some are fashion and, and just other other areas. And uh, yes, part, part of the um, opportunity there is really promoting their platform and getting the uh, other creators to come onto their platform. So watching your videos, you feature dishes like cheese pasta, raspberry brie bites, ribeye crusted with blue cheese. That one looked uh, particularly tasty. Is it safe to say that dairy is a staple in your family's cooking? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, personally, I love cheese, but I mean, cheese makes everything better. And I, um, I did a deal with Costello cheese and that was kind of the blue cheese angle that got me into there. But, uh, yeah, I, listen, I'm a blue cheese dressing lover. I, I do it on all my smash burgers. I mean, you can look at probably some of my best videos I've done have had some kind of dairy in them. Um, so yes, I, uh, I don't, think about it that way. Like I don't think and go, wow, that's a dairy company. Or it's it's more of, I will only do deals um, with either partners I do buy and use with uh, products I really love. Uh, if you could probably imagine the amount of uh, requests that I get weekly of, I've got this product, I'm making my own barbecue sauce, I'm making my own this, that, seasoning, you name it. I, I pass on majority of them just because it's a lot. And I also want to try to stay as authentic as I can. And I want to um, not just have every single video be uh, an ad. So how do you how do you sort through that? Do you get a, a product and taste test it and decide, you know, I want to I want to go go with this product or I want to pass on this? Exactly. Uh, I could tell you the Costello cheese one was pretty easy. Uh, I use it. I buy it. I like it. I used it in a video, never mentioned them. They saw the label, reached out to me. We did a deal. We did two deals. Uh, that's how most of them happen. It is kind of crazy. I don't, you know, I've been in marketing my entire life. Um, I'd be lying if I said I didn't strategically place products where you can see them. Uh, I may never mention them. And I got to tell you what I, what I think a lot of brands need to figure out is that the hard sell doesn't really work in social media. It just doesn't. I have more products that 
Uh, I have told people that I'll use your product. I will not, I might say the name, but that's it. I'm not going to give you the three benefits of the product. Oh, it's, it's creamy. It's silky, whatever. And you get better engagement and people literally will say, where can I go get that? Or what was that cheese you were using? Or what was that uh, brand of whatever you were using? Um, just when I do it that way, it, it's amazing. So we've clearly seen inflation in grocery store prices. How have your recipes been affected by the higher prices in the grocery store? I make the recipe I make now. I will tell you, I hear about it in my comments. The one thing I do is, and I don't know if every creator does this. I don't think they do. I read every comment, every single comment. Now, I might miss some on a big blowout video that does 5, 10 million, but that is what I do. I just think it's part of engaging with your audience is that you read them. I don't answer them all. As you can probably imagine, there's a lot of haters, a lot of idiots out there, uh, a lot of people that just want a, a comment. They want you to respond. They want to trigger you somehow. Uh, I sometimes engage them. So I will hear it in the comments of, wow, that meal would cost me $120 or I can't find pancetta because it costs you know $8 a pound. I do read that. I definitely think it's an issue. I don't base my recipes on it. Just in a larger sense, how have you seen social media impact? You know, we see it with butter boards. Uh, you know, we can't count the number of recipes that use cream cheese. And I got to believe it's driving demand for cream cheese somewhere. Um, how have you seen social media impact the way we consume food? And do people tend to eat what's trendy in your experience? Huge. I'm telling you. I mean, you guys know about the feta cheese pasta. I mean, they were sold out. Uh, I guarantee you, you know, the boars and cheese, you know, pasta I just did, I believe is over 2 million already or something like that. I, the amount of people that will text me, reach out, comment with a picture. I just made it. I love it. I just made it. I just made it. I just made it. Which means they went out and bought it. They went out and bought everything they needed for it. Uh, it's nuts how many people do that. So I believe absolutely and again, I'll go back to the hard sell um, doesn't work as well, but the I'm using a hunk of cream cheese. I don't care what brand it is. It's a hunk of cream cheese. And I just did it for a couple of videos for uh, Faye. And that was a promotion. And, you know, again, I made three different videos and all three had cream cheese as well as sour cream. So it's one of those things where, you know, I get people saying, oh, my God, I just made that recipe. I just made that. I, I never thought of that. I'm going to make that this weekend. So I think it's huge. So Kathleen, who's incidentally a lot younger than I am, and I'm guessing a fair amount younger than you are as well. I mean, she, you know, I'm like a, you know, I'm a 50 something guy that watches silly TikTok cooking videos. Right. But I don't think I'm all that unusual just in terms of demographics. You know, do you, I mean, there are people like me or, uh, you know. 50-year-old people that, that are watching this, right? So here's what I'll tell you. I, I get recognized every single day. I don't care if I'm in London. I was just in Vegas last week. I mean, daily. I, I could be walking you know, to the bathroom and someone looks and goes, oh my God, you're the TikTok guy. Something. And here's the demographic. It is college age or younger or younger. And then it just jumps to like 40 and over. <laughs> And it's mostly guys like yourself. It really is. It's it's nuts. And, and I, I mean, I was in the elevator at Caesar's Palace, and some guy. It's just me and him. He walks in and he goes, 
are you on the news? I go, news? No. I know you. You're very familiar. Where are you from? And I go, are you on TikTok? And he goes, I just watched a video with you in it in my room. <laughs> so, and the guy was, I think he was 38 years old, 40 years old. He was there for a bachelor party. I mean, just, it's kind of a crazy where it doesn't, I don't think it spans from, you know, my daughter who's really into TikTok, but probably not cooking. Um, you know, so it's more above high school, college. Then it kind of stops at that 30 and then goes right to like 40 or 45 and above. Yeah, sitting squarely in the mid-30s range, I can tell you that myself and I would say most of my friends are not TikTok users. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is like, so when I had my own beer, I would go around and do promotions at bars and I'd walk around and the majority of people your age sitting at that bar would go, I'm not on TikTok. That's the first thing they say. I'm not on TikTok. So that's just the issue. But you got us, us old guys who, you know, it's kind of good enjoyment, right? And and you kind of waste an hour just by watching stupid things. And that was once filled by the evening news is now evening TikTok views. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Our parent our parents had Walter Cronkite. We've got cooking with Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. Well, Daryl, we really appreciate your time today and joining us on the dairy download. Well, thank you. This was, this was fun. Uh, enjoy doing these, and like I said, uh, uh, it, it's been a it's been a cool run. And now let's hear the perspective from a marketing executive. Ryan Goff serves as the executive vice president, chief marketing officer, and social media marketing director of MGH Inc. MGH is a full service marketing and communications agency whose current client list is a who's who of food manufacturers and food service entities. MGH closely follows how social media platforms like TikTok and Instagram affect trends in the food space. Ryan, welcome to the Dairy Download. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Really a pleasure to be here. Well, can you tell us a little bit about MGH and how you work with food makers and food service companies? Sure. Yeah. So um, MGH is a marketing and advertising agency located here in Maryland uh, that supports campaign development, social media marketing, public relations, traditional and digital advertising for clients of all shapes and sizes in a variety of industries. Um, but what's unique to MGH and uh, unique to this conversation is our experience working with both food manufacturers as well as um, food service providers. So do quite a bit of work in the multi-location franchise restaurant space as well as in the CPG space. And do you have a favorite social media platform right now or for learning more about recipes or what's going on in QSR, what's hot? I do. You know, despite being in social and spending all of my workday uh, on these platforms, I come home and I spend another, you know, three to four hours per night watching TikTok videos. I am completely obsessed and I have been, um, you know, since the start of the pandemic, uh, much like many of us, I assume. Um, so, you know, that's where I consume a ton of uh, recipe content, food content, a lot of restaurant reviews, um, and just, you know, I'm, I'm a true addict of the platform, much like many consumers today. So when you're working with a food client interested in engaging on social media platforms to further their brand, what kind of advice do you give them? Yeah, my biggest piece of advice is to get the hell out of the planning phase. Um, brands spend way too much time trying to figure out what they're going to do on these platforms versus just doing. Um, so a lot of the creators that have taken off on platforms like TikTok and Instagram didn't come in with a firm plan 
Um, and I encourage brands to do the same, is to come onto these platforms, consume a lot of the content as a consumer themselves, um, and then really come on and start experimenting and let the, the engagement and let the response from consumers dictate where they go from there. Yeah, so we had another guest on this podcast, Cooking with Daryl, and he talked about authenticity being key too, right? Sometimes he said he doesn't even show the brand or point out the brand prominently, but it's there. So is that part of it too, just kind of keeping it real, so to speak? Absolutely. Yeah. TikTok and Instagram are really platforms where, you know, they want to see the real experience that consumers are having and they want to see a real face behind um, the content as well. So much of the content that does well on the platform has a face and a voice behind it um, where it's a real person talking about their actual experience with that, that product or that brand. We're interested in the process of connecting a company like a QSR chicken sandwich restaurant with a chef or a home cook who's trending on TikTok. What is that process like and what does each party get out of it? So this is a much simpler and less intimidating process than I think a lot of um, marketers think it is. Um, so many times this is a mutually beneficial relationship where the brand wants to get some content out of somebody who has influence online, but then that influencer or creator also wants the credibility that comes with working with brands. So, um, you know, in terms of how it gets done, it really is that upfront research to determine which influencers or creators might match up with the brand and give them the best chance of getting the name out there and then performing simple outreach to them sliding into their DMs with a message um, that says, you know, would you like to work with us? And can we have a conversation around that? Um, out of the gate, not necessarily coming up with what that looks like, but more so initiating that conversation with the creator and then letting the conversation flow from there. Um, and brands would be shocked at how many times they can get influencers and creators to create things for them for virtually nothing, for virtually free. So in a recent survey that MGH did about TikTok use, you say that more than half of millennial TikTok users and about 38% of TikTok users across all generations have visited or ordered food from a restaurant after seeing the video. That's, you know, that's tens of millions of diners and I've done it myself. Yeah. What do you see? I mean, are we at max? Are we still growing? Where do you see this in the evolution of social media and TikTok and, and where are we going? Yeah, we are still growing and we are really just starting out here. So TikTok saw incredible growth um, over the pandemic and is continuing to see that growth across all age demographics as more people learn about the platform and, uh, you know, start seeing content on other social platforms that they might consume, like on Instagram Reels, that might bring them over to a platform like TikTok. So we are really just getting started. But with that said, there is a lot of uncertainty around what the future of TikTok looks like. Um, there is a good chance that, you know, TikTok could fade away in a few years due to some potential legislation that's pending. Um, and so, you know, with that said, the idea of TikTok will not fade away anytime soon. The idea of short form, mobile first, easy to consume video um, is here to stay, um, you know, and that really is why Instagram uh, you know, brought about Reels, which was a direct competitor to TikTok. So, yeah, if TikTok evaporated overnight, do you think that Instagram slides right in as the next thing or is there something else in the pipeline? In the short term, Instagram fills that immediate gap because of the Reels platform that they've built. But uh, with that said, you know, there will have to be another competitor that hits the market to take the gap that TikTok will have left. It's just uh, that competitor, to my knowledge and from what I've seen, does not exist yet. 
So if we have marketing professionals that haven't taken the leap that are listening today, is it worth investing in and and why? It is 100% worth investing in. Um, It takes a lot less time than I think a lot of marketers think it does to create this sort of content. And it is a lot more fun, I think, than than some might think. So, you know, we've gotten so used to social media marketing the way that it's been done over the past 10 years that it is scary and challenging to enter this new world. And it presents a a lot of uh, hurdles for brands, but um, the potential return that comes off of it is significant. Um, and we've seen it for our clients and I've seen it for restaurant brands across the country and for CPG brands as well. Um, it just, it makes sense. And it is one of the few remaining silver bullets that we as marketers still have left in our toolbox. So Ryan, do you have a good example of something like that? I mean, I know I've seen like the, uh, Wendy's, uh, chicken sandwich, the mozzarella puck on top, the garlic fries, those came out or anytime something comes out. I see the TikTok universe say, hey, Burger King came out with something new or McDonald's or whatever. Um, you know, can you give an example of something that's really just flown or is it just or just the routine ROI on these projects? There's an example of a food reviewer on TikTok who started to go viral and he's just an everyday guy um, who talks about his experience that he has at restaurants and he's starting to take off on the platform and there was a mom and pop restaurant that was really, really struggling. And so one of the employees of the mom and pop restaurant reached out to this TikToker and said, will you come try our food? The food is amazing. We just need people to come through our doors. And so this guy posted a video on TikTok. It now has 30 million views to it. And there is there are lines wrapped around this mom and pop restaurants um, shop um, day in and day out. And so, um, you know, it, it, it shows you the potential on a micro level, um, you know, a very, very specific example where one person talking about a brand can drive thousands upon thousands of people into a business. Then you just start to multiply that times number of locations and you start to see the real potential of the platform. That might have been that guy, Keith Lee in Las Vegas, I think. That, there it is, Keith Lee. Thank you. I couldn't think of his name. Not that I follow this closely at all. <laughs> Yeah, Keith is Keith is phenomenal. And, you know, he's really, really taken off and, um, you know, has just a lot of power behind his content. So it's it's really interesting to see an influencer with real influence where he posts a video one day and then the next day you see a line of people waiting outside of the business, waiting for it to open. So you talked earlier about authenticity. How does a TikTok user or even anyone that's that's looking at these videos online, how do you sort through the garbage? What's what's real? What's not real? Uh, that's a that's a great question. And there really is no good way to know if something, you know, there's obviously hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored, which will tell you if something is directly sponsored by a brand. But other than that, it is on the consumer to do their own research, to take a look at other videos that that creator is as as produced to determine if, you know, they are legitimate or if they might be doing something that is is on the paid side of things. How does dairy show up on social platforms in general? Do, do dairy products and, and ingredients generally have a positive perception? Uh, dairy, you know, uh, it is featured. It's usually a supporting cast member, um, you know, as part of a larger production in these videos with other cast members. 
Um, but in general, it seems to be looked upon very favorably from what I've seen. I haven't seen any negative dairy content out there. Is there anything different that that, are, that the dairy industry could be doing better to engage on social media? Yeah, I think the biggest thing from what I've seen that they could do better is starting to think and look beyond just recipes and, um, you know, and and menu inspiration. So starting to take a look at what other creators are creating on the platform and trying to mimic what they're doing. So thinking outside of the box to say, okay, we can talk about recipes in every single one of our videos, but what else can we do to really match up with the conversation that users are having on TikTok or on, on Instagram? So, you know, do we have a mascot that we could better leverage or can we show some of the behind the scenes at the corporate office that might be interesting or tell our founder's story? So, um, you know, thinking beyond just how the product can be used and thinking a little bit broader to what this brand means and what brand stories we can tell. In terms of part of that process, do you help people figure out the algorithm if there's such a thing? I mean, is that part of the part of the whole trick too? You know, if you're a company, food company XYZ, you find a content creator, are there tricks for putting those people up to the top of the pile? hundred percent. There are a ton of tricks to game the algorithm on both Instagram and TikTok. The biggest challenge with those tricks is that Instagram and TikTok, much like Google, are very advanced with their algorithm. And so they tend to catch on um, when we've figured out certain things and very quickly work to address them. So what works today might not work tomorrow. And it's a constant game of trying to figure out what the algorithm favors and how we can create content or captions that might then play along with what the algorithm is favoring today. I think that this discussion has really made me consider joining TikTok. As a non-social media user, all these recipe ideas and new restaurant concepts that I'm missing out on, and I might, might have to jump on board. You are missing out. I'm telling you. you. You need to be part of the crowd that just says, hey, we're going to try this for lunch today. <laughs> what Although peanut butter jelly sandwiches? But, uh, yeah, you live a little <laughs> bit further away than most of us from from the uh, from the nearest uh, fast food outlets. But yeah, that would be real authenticity having a peanut butter jelly sandwich or eggs for lunch every day, <laughs> or an hour ride to get something. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. As as silly as the platforms are, and as as much junk content as there is on the platforms, there is a ton to learn and gain from them as well. There's so much educational content, and you know, not classroom education, but real world, you know, just how to get things done in your life or life hacks. Um, that I feel like I've learned more from TikTok in the past couple of years than I learned in four years worth of college. So um, I heavily encourage you to hop on and and enjoy the fun. Ryan, we really appreciate your time today and your insights. For those listening, where could they find you on social media? Uh, you can find me all over social media. So I'm on Twitter uh, at Ryan at MGH, or you can follow MGH on Instagram at MGH Marketing. That's a wrap for today's show. As always, we want to thank our production team, Matt Herrick, Michael Gooden, and Andrew Jerome at IDFA, and Corey Romero over here at EverAg Insights. If you are interested in what Kathleen and I do for our day jobs, check us out at ever.ag. Remember, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Infor. Discover how your dairy business can count on Infor cloud solutions to improve food safety, minimize waste, and provide greater supply chain transparency. Learn more at infor.com dairy. Thanks for listening to the Dairy Download. Until next time, stay sharp. Bye.